From Washington, this is Talking Tax. I'm David Schultz. Political junkies out there may remember the line, corporations are people, my friend. That was a gaffe committed by then-Republican presidential candidate and now Utah Senator Mitt Romney back in 2012. At the time, it was seized on by Romney's opponents to make him look too enthralled to big business. But the actual phrase, corporations are people, is a concept that the IRS has actually thought quite a bit about. Not with corporations, though, but with partnerships. Before 2018, when the IRS audited a partnership, they had to go after each and every member of the partnership to collect any unpaid tax. That, as you can imagine, creates a lot of work for the agency, especially for big partnerships. Then, Congress added some measures to a bill called the Bipartisan Budget Act, or BBA, that were meant to streamline this process. Now, when the IRS does an audit, the partnership has to designate a partnership representative who is the sole person who engages with auditors on the matter. Makes sense, at least on paper, but would it surprise you to know that this new system hasn't actually made things as simple and easy as one would think? Today we're going to hear from Rochelle Hodis, a Washington-based tax lawyer with Crow LLP, yes, a partnership. Rochelle spoke with Bloomberg tax reporter Jeff Leon about some of the problems with this new regime and about why the old regime needed changing in the first place. There was a lot of dissatisfaction, both from taxpayers, from the IRS, from Congress, about the difficulty of examining partnerships about the fact that a lot of partnerships weren't being audited, about the fact that Congress did not have good information about sort of the soft spots in partnerships where they should direct their legislative focus. And so they developed this new regime in order to try to make it easier for IRS to audit partnerships and to shift a lot of the burden over to the partnership and the partners. What's different about these kind of audits? So one of the things that we're finding as a practical matter is these examinations are actually not easier. (laughs) They're not easier for the taxpayer. They're not easier for the IRS. Um, They're just different. It's a longer process. There is a partnership representative, and they replace the old tax matters partner, and the partnership representative is much more uh, powerful. They can bind the partnership and all of the partners, um, and they are the, the person who speaks with respect to anything BBA-related vis-a-vis the IRS. Who's eligible for these audits? What are the pros and cons of electing out of them? Every partnership is subject to the BBA rules unless they're eligible to and they do elect out. You are eligible to elect out if you have eligible partners and you have 100 or fewer of them. Eligible partners are generally going to be C-Corps, um, individuals, estates of decedents. Partnerships that are eligible to and do elect out of BBA, they've seen how complicated they can be. Plus, it's a new process. So, you know, as I said, new is hard. They may want to just avoid all that and they can do that by electing out if they can. But on the other hand, being in a BBA partnership, that idea that the part 
partnership representative is all powerful, can be very beneficial to the partnership itself in the folks who run that partnership. You can ensure that all of the examination issues are handled uniformly throughout the partnership, which could be beneficial. So there can be advantages to being a BBA partnership. So these questions are about IRS Form 8986. Could you share more on the background of this form, what it means and what tax years it affects? So 8986 is an interesting form. It will be issued by a partnership to make adjustments to a previously filed return if they want to or they're required to, quote, push out those adjustments to their partners. So you see how the chain of information, it goes, I, I do my tears up. It, all the allocations will be passed up to each of the um, tiers of partners via this form 8986. And so if you're the um, partner that receives an 8986, you're going to have something you have to do with that. And what we're seeing out in practice is um, folks who have partnership investments, either direct or indirect, are getting forms 8986, and they're not quite sure what to do with that form. And that's been a challenge. What do taxpayers need to do when completing this form? So the form provides you a lot of information about the source partnership. So if you're 12 tiers up and you get an 8986 from the source partnership, it will tell you who that person is, the name, the TIN, address. It will tell you the year that to which the adjustments relate, which is called the review year. It's important for folks, if they receive a Form 8986, to immediately provide that information to their accountants or to their tax advisor so somebody can tell them, you know, what they should be doing with it, right? I think a lot of people are going to receive those forms and not know what to do with it. I think um, there's going to be added costs with all of these complex computations. I think folks have to be prepared uh for added costs, both on the partnership side and the partner side. I think um, everybody's gonna have to pack their patients. The IRS is learning a lot about this stuff at the same time that taxpayers are learning. And so it's really a learning process. The partnership examinations are gonna be taking a lot longer there are going to be a lot more partnership examinations. If you've never, if you're a partnership and you've never been audited, my guess is your number's going to come up. The likelihood of you being audited now has substantially increased because IRS has increased their audits. IRS has also said that they're starting large partnership compliance uh, initiative in order to focus on larger partnerships that perhaps they never audited before. And so that's going to add more examinations and more complexity, I think, to the system. But um, pack your patience. These are new rules. And, uh, and good luck. 
That was Rochelle Hodes, a tax lawyer with Crow LLP, speaking with Bloomberg Tax's Jeff Leon. You can find up-to-the-minute news on the latest tax and accounting developments at our website, news.bloombergtax.com. That website, once again, is news.bloombergtax.com. Today's Talking Tax was produced by myself, David Schultz, Patrick Ambrosio, and Jeff Harrington are our editors. Our executive producer is Josh Block from Washington. I'm David Schultz. Thanks for listening. The number of words in the tax code is estimated to be 1 million, about the same length as the entire Harry Potter series. Add in IRS regs, rev rulings, and case law, and it can be a lot. We all need a little help to sort it out. Each week on the Tax Girl podcast, I talk to the best in the business. And these aren't crazy technical dives. They're interesting and easy to digest looks at topics that matter to you. It's all that you need to stay ahead on the most important tax issues. You can subscribe to the podcast for free on taxgirl.com because paying taxes is painful, but hearing about them shouldn't be.